0: That God will have you to stand even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So in Proverbs chapter 24, let's have a look. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible to God. Um, Proverbs 24 and um, verse 10 Holy Spirit, ask you to speak today in the name of Jesus and help us to hear your voice and to understand your word today. It says, if you faint, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. It says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small in the NLT. And so, you know, if you faint in the day of adversity... Your strength is small. There are many people that are um, going to the gym, weightlifting. uh, You know, strong, strong people, men and women, uh, who who build up their muscles physically, build up their physique, until they're like a a finely ripped machine. And um, they make, you know, other people... Sort of want to put on a whole load of jumpers and cover up all the flab or, or whatever, or the or the the, the 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 thin muscles. But the thing is, is that you know people and I, I just read the other day about some guy who's like he's not even a billionaire. He's beyond that again, whatever that is. Um, he's got like a thousand million in the bank or something, and um, he's uh, currently uh, having. Uh, a constant monitoring on his physical body. He's eating a certain way. He's exercising a certain way every day. He has doctors monitoring him constantly in order to reverse his age of his organs and his body. So, that, and you know, and this is another, this is another um, uh, agenda by this this whole globalist thing is that they are very much working on. Um, integrating AI technology, which is, you know, uh, what's that word again? Artificial intelligence intelligence into people's bodies in order to prolong and to make people be able to live forever. It's a counterfeit gospel, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a counterfeit and it's such a lie. And um, because, of course, you had the likes of, you know, um, the guy who created Apple and when he got very sick and no matter how many millions he had, not one thing could save him when he died. His physical body died. And, you know, I suppose this is something that people are obsessed with, with having strong bodies. And you'll see this a lot in the media and stuff where they'll say, you know, you're so strong. You're strong in yourself And, and it's promoting this. But um, what God says here, you know, is if you fail under pressure or if you fail or faint in the day of adversity, your strength is too small. And what strength is he talking about here? You know, spiritual strength. Yeah, absolutely. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength and honor come from you, O God. And you see, this is what's wrong, is that people don't know him they have no interest because they, they are far too busy partying, they're far too busy going on holidays, they're far too busy working, they're par- far too busy with their own little bubble of their own little lives, and there is no room in it for God, because had if they were to give time to God, there are, there are things that they would have to leave behind. And you know, as I said earlier, most of people's resistance to the gospel is because they do not want to change their lifestyle and they do not want to repent. But there is a day coming, and it comes to everybody. And God spoke about it and he said, In the evil day, let's have a look at it in Ephesians chapter six. And I know we've briefly looked at this on Thursday night and on Zoom, but um let's just have a look. Are you in a good mood today? <laughs> you linger with me then. <laughs> um, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. <clears throat> a final word. Be strong in the Lord. <laughs> Do you see that? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In his mighty power. Okay, will you say this with me? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. For any time, For any time I have tried to become strong in any way, in any way other, than you. other than through you. And I declare today, and I declare today that, I that I am strong in the Lord and in the, and in the, power, of and in the power of your might. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. 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 And you see, the more you get into the Word of God and the more you study the Word of God, the stronger you become. Maybe you stay the same shape <laughs> physically, Um, uh, But the thing is, is spiritually, you're a giant. And, you know, we are up against giants. And David was was a a classic example of us, the church, or of us uh, as individual members of the body, uh, facing giants. Having, you know, that giant, uh, Goliath, came out on the field, on the battlefield, every morning and every evening, To scream insults and to shout and to bully and to intimidate the Israelite army. And they just stood there and took it. And so it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a cancer or a disease or a marriage failure or, or, you know, children getting caught up in drugs or, or whatever the problem or the issue is. That's a giant screaming every morning, every evening. So it's like covering the whole of the day. And not one man was able to have the courage, uh, even though they were all mighty warriors in that army. And we just read there, you know, in (coughs) Proverbs 24, if you faint on the day of adversity, your strength is too small. None of those people in that army, I bet you, were weaklings. They were probably extremely physical, fit, Strong men. You know, they had weapons, they had armor, but not one of them went out there to face that giant. So their strength was too small. Then you've got this kid who came in off the mountain minding his father's sheep, who wasn't all that well um, esteemed even in his own family because his father didn't even bring him in when Samuel came to anoint his sons. He didn't even think of him. He said, none of these are him. Is there another one? And he said, well, there's David. <laughs> Go get him, says Samuel. Go get him, will you? Will you get him? And the minute he came in, the Lord said, he's the one. Now, it said he was only a young boy, a teenager, maybe 16, 17 years of age. They're not very physically, you know, they, they can be tall, but you notice that, that as they grow into manhood i have some uh, nephews and uh, you know some of them are are um, they're they're tall and and sure they're fit and strong but then i've maybe an older nephew and he is he's a man like he's after becoming so strong physically and fit and uh, there's a difference in a man's body and a boy's body and um like David went out on that battlefield, heard what your man was saying and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is, and you know what he pinpointed? He is coming against the name of the Lord. And it was for the honor of God's name that David ran out there. And that's why he killed the giant. He was spiritually strong because he had been ministering to the Lord all that time on the mountainside. He had seen God's hand deliver him, protect him. He had seen God as his great shepherd, guarding and protecting him out in that mountainside. And so it was from that knowledge and from that place that he walked out on that battlefield that day. And so David was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He couldn't put on the armor. You just picture it, you know, Saul, who's a really tall man, says to him, you can wear my armor going out on the field. David tries it on and kind of like keels over with the weight of it. You know, it's just, it's just too much. And he says, I can't wear that. And he just went out as himself. And He defeated that giant that had for, I think at that stage it was like 40 days, if I'm not um, around that, that he'd been doing this every day, twice a day, tormenting this army, a total stalemate, nothing changing, nothing happening, but somebody had to do something. And David was the one who was anointed to do it because he was strong in the Lord. And that's what I'm saying to you, you know, there are things that need to be confronted and dealt with. And most of them are are Jezebel-type bullying spirits that are screaming at you through circumstances, through people, through conditions, through maybe estranged relationships or whatever. Those things are are the enemy using his voice to drown out your voice and to, to make it seem like it's overwhelming. But it's not. It was easy for David. He just had to run out, and then he caught a stone, and you can... You can just picture, you know, God's pleasure as this child has a stone in his hand. And flings it through his catapult. You know, picture Dennis the Menace. How many of us growing up? You know, when we were reading the Beano, and all we wanted was a catapult. And you know, you got a catapult once, and then it was put away forever because it had broken the huge window or whatever. You know, <laughs> you got flaked. <laughs> Nobody is allowed a catapult in this house. Uh, we 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 got the Beano. My nan was really kind to us. She bought us the Beano every week. Oh God, we loved it so much. Dennis the Menace, he was was the best funny guy. But anyway, that's where uh, that catapult came, you know, that David had this. And you see, you know, you could just sense the father watching him as he's running out on the field. He's got his catapult. He lets rip with that stone, (laughs) that rock. And you just see maybe the breath of God (sighs) breathing on it Mm -hmm. so that it hits the giant right between the two eyes and knocks him out and kills him. And then David went up and took his own sword and killed him with it. And that's what the church is called to do, to take the sword of this giant, to first of all knock him out. And how we do that, you know, those stones represented the, the word of God and prayer and, and relationship And then he took that sword that they had all been afraid of. Do you see the size of his sword? Do you see the size of his shield? You can be sure his guy who was holding his shield ran away first anyway. And David took that sword and chopped off that giant's head and lifted it up. And then the whole army of Israel suddenly gained great momentum and strength and bravado. Woohoo, here we are. And they chased after the rest of them. But, you know, the, the victory belongs to David and belonged to God. And so we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies or the wiles of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Our battle is not against flesh and blood but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. These are all ranked demons with various, uh, you know, various levels of authority in, in the devil's army. Uh, but every one of them are under the authority that we have been given in the name of Jesus. Amen. And when the church grabs hold of this and starts operating in our authority... Uh, You know, that's where we see things break and, you know, my mother has often given the testimony of that, uh, you know, one of my my siblings who had a, a brain injury since birth and who was at one point causing utter chaos at home. As a child, he was, he was a teenager, maybe, well, maybe not a teenager, 10, 11, 12 at that stage. And she heard that scripture one night at a, at a church Bible study where Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority. Do you want to have a look at it, just to confirm it in Luke ten nineteen? <clears throat> Luke 10, and uh, in verse 18, Jesus, you see the the 72 had come back, they were rejoicing, they were blown away uh, by how easy it was to get people healed and delivered. And they said to him um, in 17, sorry, Luke 10, 17, when the 72 disciples, they weren't the, ten, the 12 apostles, they were other disciples who were with Jesus, who he had sent out after the disciples, after the apostles, he'd sent them out in twos. And he told them to go do the same thing that the apostles had done, in order to show that the power of God doesn't uh, look at uh, you know, uh, any person as being better than the other. He's given us all authority. And so the 72 disciples returned, and they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons are subject to us, are obey us when we use your name. Hallelujah. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy so you can trample on serpents and scorpions and crush them and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. You see, you would not be allowed or or given that authority unless you had, your your name is already registered in heaven. That's how you see the manifestation of his power. And that time, uh, as I said, um, that sibling of mine, uh, Mom's, he was the second eldest, I was the eldest. And He was breaking up the house. Uh, He was absolutely beating every one of us up. He was extremely Physically very strong even though he was only a child, but it was demonic, you know, and you could see it in his eyes and um, uh, He was at it again one night and it it was actually quite uh, as a child uh, growing up with it it was you were constantly waiting for the explosion, you know, and that's a real bullying, intimidating spirit as well. But anyway, um, one night she'd, she'd had a teaching on this and she came home and he was at it and she got my little sister and she was only about, she said around six or seven at the time and she called her and she said, will you come in here to the room with me and we're just going to agree to take authority over this thing that's going on up there in the kitchen?" And so my sister nodded. She didn't know what. <laughs> but she, she held her hand and she prayed with her. And mom took authority in the name of Jesus over that demonic thing, spirit, that was operating against my, my, my brother and, and, and operating trying to, to cause havoc and mayhem in the house. And it stopped. Amen. And what did you say that time? You said you were blown away by... <laughs> you knew then it worked <laughs> because it stopped instantly, the whole energy was taken out of, of the, 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 what was going on and she's uh, she's going to give a, a teaching, teaching on, on, a, on, on authority one of these days, have you anything to say <laughs> No. (laughs) She said no. But um, look, the thing is, 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 it doesn't matter what the situation. That's why agreement is so important. And that's why being attached to the body, being attached to the church is vital. Yeah. Because you need, number one, to hear the Word of God. You need to be encouraged. Because I guarantee you that most of us, when we land at church uh, on a Thursday night or on a Sunday morning, are pretty deflated after things that have gone on or stuff going on in the world or, or in families or whatever. And the thing is, is that the Word of God encourages us. And it's like a balloon or a tire, a car tire, that has um, you know, run down and, and got low. And it needs to be pumped up again. And, um, uh, you know, the Word of God really strengthens us from the inside and teaches us and gives us keys and understanding. That's why Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so he said, uh, you know, he went on later on as well about the keys in, in, that was in Matthew 8, and in Matthew Matthew 8 or 10, isn't it? And then in Matthew 18 again. And he said, you know, uh, you have authority. And later on, in Matthew 28, when he was about to go back to heaven to the Father, he said to the apostles, I'm giving you the authority and the dominion back. That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross as a man, as a human being. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before it. The joy that was set before it was him taking back everything the devil had stolen and taken and tricked men out of. Because Satan gained that authority from Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, he tricked them out of their authority and so that's why Romans chapter 5 and 6 is just amazing to read you know that a man had had given over the authority so a man had to come and take it back Mm -hmm. but God said that he looked and there was no man who could be found who had no sin you see it was the sinlessness and that's why when Jesus went to cast out the demons You know, the demons screamed at him, what have we got in common with you, Jesus, the Son of God? And because there was nothing in common, and this is something very important to understand with spiritual warfare, is that, you know... We need to, that's why we read the Word of God, and the Word of God reads us, and that we, we live a lifestyle of repentance, and it's guaranteed, I tell you why, uh, people leave the church and don't want anything to do with the Word of God, because they need to give up, like that, do you remember long ago that little program where those little children and give up your old sins, <laughs> do you remember that, in, in some school around the corner or something, yeah but I uh, give up your all sins. Uh, you know, that, that there is stuff that we have to deal with in ourselves, repent of, and, and, and cut and sever those cards where the enemy has been given access and uh, then turn and say, now in the name of Jesus. Be, um, let's have a look actually in Colossians. This is jumping around a bit. And I haven't even looked at the notes. But, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Mm-hmm. And so this is something as well to pray, you know, when you're praying into the headship and rulers and authorities even in the in the natural and, and you know even if we're praying for the government or praying for those in charge of, of whatever organization you're working for or that you're dealing with you know remember that saying everything comes down from the head and you'll notice that that if you go into a place an organization or a, a I remember in a in the school uh, where my children went to school, like it was just such an amazing, uh, beautiful country school. And But the, the, the principal and the vice-principal there, they were just such wonderful people. The whole, you know, everything flowed down from the head. And that whole atmosphere came from those who were in authority. But you see there that because of our union with Christ, he is the head over every ruler and authority. And so this is where the name of Jesus is above every name that is named. And when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. You see, man will look for physical manifestations, and that's why Paul was constantly at them. Don't be bewitched by people. Don't come in under the influence of people trying to control you or make you do this thing you know where they where they were trying to get the the gentiles to be now circumcised just like the Jews the circumcision was for the Jews only because it was a covenant between them and God and between the, Abraham and God um, but we have been circumcised in heart, and that's why God says, I will take out that that old stony, hard-hearted um, heart out of you, and I will give you a heart of flesh, I will give you a tender heart, and I will write my words on your heart, and you won't have to have them on your forehead and on your hands and everywhere to try and remember to behave yourself and be, you know, to act right, but those laws and those uh, commands will be in your heart, and it will flow out of your heart, and so You were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins. You were spiritually dead. We all were. We were spiritually dead. Until we came to know what Jesus did for us, why he did it, and when we received him, received his sacrifice, repented for our sins, and asked him to come into our lives. That is when our spirit was reconnected to God through his Holy Spirit, and so we were forgiven and made right with God. And it says, then God made you alive. He, re- he, you know, he breathed fresh life into our spirits. Because when a child um, is a certain age, whatever it is, you know, nowadays maybe it's younger, but like from seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, that child knows when he's doing right and when he's doing wrong. And there's a day comes where that child, who was as innocent as a dove, one day makes a decision to do the wrong thing and to sin. And uh, that's what Paul was talking about in, in um, where is that, in Rome, Romans 7, is it, or Corinthians 7? Um, and he said, so that child makes a decision to do the wrong thing, they sin, they're told not to do something, and they still go ahead and do it, knowing that it's wrong. The spiritual connection with God is then broken because they have sinned. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's why the glory disappeared from Adam and Eve. And they looked at each other and they said, you're naked. So are you. They never knew they were naked before because they were clothed and covered with the glory of God. And so when we receive Jesus and when we ask him to come into our lives as Lord, when we repent of our sins, there's a new creation Occurs. We are made a new creation, and the old, the old man, the sin has been dealt with. And this is what Jesus did. This is why he went to the cross. God made you alive with Christ, and He forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us, and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In another version, it says He wiped out the whole handwriting of the the whole handwriting of the law. So, if you imagine Lango when they had. Uh, blackboards in school. And the teacher would write up on the board, you know, and then once that particular subject or teaching was over, she'd wipe out everything off the board. That's what Jesus did with us with sin. He wiped out the whole thing that was against us, wiped out, declared, cleansed and washed. And that's why he told the disciples, don't be... Um, so rejoicing that the demons are subject to you, they're subject to you because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life because you have been made right with God and given the gift of righteousness and you cannot buy that and you know all these people that are striving to make themselves stronger, make themselves richer make themselves better looking, make themselves I saw another headline and I don't read the papers all day but sometimes when I open my phone there's these headlines and you read them and you just go do you know what, they just deflate you a twenty-two-year-old girl, I think, or something, who who went to Turkey for a um, a facelift procedure of some kind, and then it went wrong. I just said to myself, "God help us." The little crater, like twenty-two years of age, she's probably utterly beautiful as she is, and she went off, and you know, like. But the thing is, is is like people are trying to constantly change the outward appearance man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart and his when he looks at your heart and when he looks at you because of what Jesus has done for you and me and because we have received him into our hearts he sees no sin at all And he sees only Jesus. That's why he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins and our transgressions from us. And we are right before him. And what a joyful, rejoicing thing that is. But um, just going back to Ephesians chapter 6, just to finish that. Therefore, in verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to stand and resist the enemy in the day and the time of evil. Because, you see, that's what it's asking. In the evil day, will you be able to stand? In the evil day, when those Israelites were out on the hillside there, and and Goliath and the Philistine army were on the other hillside, they could not stand. Their hearts fainted, and they could not go out and fight that battle, because they were afraid of being killed. And they were not strong in the Lord. And, but, you know... Uh, putting on the armor of God. So the evil day comes to everyone. And it's, that's why to have yourself girded with the word of God is what helps you to stand, Amen. to stand up to, uh, to any day of adversity and to come out the other side of it. Amen. After the battle, you will still be standing firm. Why? Because you're able to resist the enemy because you're wearing God's armor. And what is his armor? Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth. The first thing is the truth. And the truth is the word of God. And so that girds you about and holds you up. You know, the, the belt signifies uh, something that, that tightens the core and strengthens the core and holds up the whole body. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. That, that you know, breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers the heart. It covers the liver, the, the places where where if a knife got stuck in, it would be instant death. That breastplate of righteousness, of knowing that you're right with God, it protects that part, that, that really um, vital part of the body. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. Um, remember in, in uh, the Passover, in Exodus 12, when the Lord spoke to Moses and he told him, tell them to be dressed and ready and have their sandals on, have their shoes on, ready to go. You know, so the, the, the shoes being put on signify uh, advancement and, and movement. And that peace, you know, that's the, those shoes, you know, everywhere we walk, then we can bring the peace of God. Unfortunately, for people who don't know the Lord, everywhere they go, they bring utter mayhem or chaos or fear or whatever, you know? And um, that's not something nice. Um, In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop or to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet that you know That Jesus is the one who paid the price and that you are right with God. You know, that brings instant peace to a person's head. And take up the sword of the spirit. Your only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know, I believe the Lord is calling the church to be in a position of alertness and watchfulness and, and lifting that shield of faith and keeping up that praying in the spirit Amen. for all of these situations. Amen? Amen. And just in Second um, Corinthians chapter 4... And actually, I always start this in chapter three, just above it. Um, it's talking about the the greater the glory that that um, Moses's face was radiant and and shining with the. the the glory of God so much that the people couldn't look at it and they told him to cover it up. And I really believe that's very symbolic of the world we live in right now where people do not want to know the things of God and they'll tell you, shut up, and that's not true, and they'll try everything they can to quench and to suffocate that light from penetrating, but uh, (laughs) they will not succeed. But anyway, he says, um, praise God. We are not like Moses in 3.13. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away or pass away. But the people's minds were hardened And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. You know, like we read earlier, our battle is not against flesh and blood. If you're ministering to somebody and you're finding that it's not penetrating and it's not going in, you know, more than likely there's some kind of a religious spurt going on there. Because where the old covenant is being preached, there's a veil covering. And you need to pray for that veil to be lifted and for for the truth, for the glory light of Jesus Christ to shine in there and for the truth to penetrate and uh, you can take your authority in that situation you know and and pray this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ this is why listen and I know people pray fervently and they pray sincerely but unless you're praying for people to be saved you're wasting your time wasting your time you need to pray for their salvation Mm -hmm. and that's why we do those little prayers there you know various um Sams or whatever and they have just a little prayer of repentance at the bottom of it because when you give that to somebody and, and get an opportunity and they might be you know not interested at all but you ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to share with them the word of God maybe you get a chance to actually minister the gospel to them and that's brilliant but often you know you're, you're just meeting somebody in a shop or flying or whatever and it's wonderful to have something to, tangible to give them and say do you know what um, just trust, you know, that the Lord knows everything. If they're telling you their woes and their problems, just say, Do you know, I, I, I pray, we'll pray now that the Lord will start everything out. And, and you know, you mightn't have much of an opportunity, but you can give them that and pray for their salvation or lead them in the prayer of salvation. You know, teach them and, and bring them to Christ. Um, so, because they don't understand otherwise. But whenever someone turns to the Lord in verse 16, The veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all of us who have had that veil removed. Can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit. Makes us. He makes us. More and more like him. As we are changed. Into his glorious image. So you see. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's transformation. And there's growth. And there's strength that comes. Spiritual strength. And... um it goes on to talk about, you know, just Paul saying here, we do not lose heart in, in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4. We, we, um, rather, we reject and renounce all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the truth of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. And, you know, I think that's, that's the greatest thing you can do, is, is to be truthful with people and be honest. Um, because so, so much of what the enemy does and how he operates is by covering up. But when things are brought to the light, then there can be solutions and, and breakthrough and healing and deliverance. And um, he goes on to say, you know, if the, the good news that we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact image of of God and likeness of God, and Paul went on to say, "We don't, we don't try and go preaching about ourselves because we are your servants for Christ's sake. But God, who said in the uh, 'Let there be light in the darkness,' has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ." We, know, we now have this light shining in our hearts. Will you say that with me? We now have this now light have shining in our, in our hearts. Amen. You have that light shining in your heart. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And that's the thing. David was under no illusion about who he was or what age he was or anything. All he knew is that he was going out in that battlefield to um, proclaim to this guy, who was dishonouring the name of God and dishonouring the armies of, of the God of heaven's armies, um, that he was going out uh, to, to straighten that out. And that's for sure, you know. We have no great power in ourselves. And anyone who thinks they does, they do, is, is you know, seriously deceived. And there's nothing that we have done or that we ever will do that will ever make us, uh, you know, great. And when you hear that, great men, women of God or whatever, I, I don't know, I don't... I don't go with that. It's Jesus who's great. It's God the Father who's great, and His name is greatly to be praised. And uh, He He causes us to be to be blessed. Um, but anyway, it just goes on here to say this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. All this all surpassing power is from God and not ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Will you say that with me? Actually, you know what? Let's break bread and uh, let's, let's proclaim this. If that's okay with you, I'll finish that. Huh? George, you to bring me a biscuit, with you? Some kind, anything. Thank you. Praise God and thank you, Jesus. Thanks awfully. Which one do you want? <laughs> I don't mind really actually. I'll have one of this, and you can have the other one if you want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. So. <clears throat> <clears throat> okay. As we have taken this bread and this cup today, we're doing it in remembrance of you, Jesus, <coughs> and of what you did for us at the cross. Okay. And this is what it says here. In Second Corinthians 4:8, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. So we'll just proclaim that, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus I, thank meal, I thank you for this meal, where I want to honour and remember, and remember. What, you what you have done for me. You forgave my sins. You, my sins. you healed all my, you all my sicknesses, all diseases. All diseases all of to- uh, my those things that have tormented me are my, my family those things were dealt with, were dealt with, dealt with. and taken by you, and taken by you. And the on the cross you became, cursed, and you became cursed so that i could be blessed so And I declare, declare, even though though, I may be pressed on every side by trouble, trouble. I am not crushed. I I may be perplexed, perplexed, but I am not driven to despair. I I may be hunted down, down, but I am never abandoned by God. I I may have got knocked down, down, but but I am not destroyed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name I, thank you, I thank you that by your stripes, by your stripes I, am healed, I am healed and made whole, and made whole in, my spirit, in my spirit, my soul, and my body. My my body. And, I and I take this bread today as a symbol, as a symbol of, your body of your body that was broken, for me, that was broken for, me, given for me, given for me, so that I could be healed. So that I could be healed. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. And you can take the bread. those of you that are listening at home or on the podcast you can just take a piece of bread or a piece of cracker or whatever you have a drink of water a cup of tea, whatever it is it's it's not the, the element it's the remembrance, it's the symbol, you know just as we're coming up in this month to Valentine's Day and you're going to see love hearts everywhere and when you see a love heart you immediately think of love and so when you when you take the bread and you take the cup, what you're doing is remembering what Jesus did. It's not a religious ritual. Uh, you're not eating his flesh and you're not drinking his blood, but you are eating the understanding of what his flesh accomplished for us and what his blood accomplished for us on the cross. Amen. That's why he said, as often as you do it, you know, if he meant that you were actually going to eat. His physical flesh. Number one, he'd be telling you to engage in cannibalism, which is totally prohibited in the Word of God. And number two, he would be somehow manifesting um, a physical body uh, every time. And, and that's, not, that's not what happened. Because his body was raised from the dead and he was uh, glorified uh, in his body uh, back with the Father. And so we are acknowledging what he did. It's no different to every year on someone's birthday, them getting a birthday cake. You know, they get the birthday cake. It's not that the person is born again uh, as a brand new baby, but it's just uh, a celebration of this day that is such a, a special day of when that person was born. And so as we take the cup... let we'll say this together. Father God, Father God. it says in, in, in actually in verse 14 here, I'm still in 2 Corinthians 4. God, we know, we know. that you raised the Lord, raise the Lord Jesus and that you will also raise us, also raise us with, Jesus with Jesus and present us, and present us to, yourself to yourself together, together with him. Together with him. And we re-proclaim, and we, proclaim, we, will never lose heart. we will never lose heart. We will never give up. We will never give up. Though, our dying, Though our bodies are dying, outwardly, outwardly inwardly, inwardly, our spirits... Our are, being are being renewed every day. Every day. Our, present Our present troubles are small, are small and won't last, very long. won't last very long. Yet they produce for us, produce for us a glory, us a glory that, vastly them that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we do not look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather we, rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen, the things, that cannot be seen. The, things that the things that will last forever we will not faint, will not faint in the day of adversity, in the day of adversity. I declare, I, declare I, am in the Lord, I am strong in the Lord, and in the power of your might, of and, I and I take this cup today to acknowledge Jesus, to acknowledge Jesus that, you are Lord, that you are Lord, and that your blood, that your, blood your sinless perfect blood. Was shed, for me was shed for me to make me right with God, make me right with God and bring me back, bring me back into, his into His family as a child of God. As a child of God. I, rejoice today I rejoice today that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You'll take the cup. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. I just tell you that there's nothing there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. He is the God of the impossible. We read it earlier in Sam um, in that Psalm eighty eighty six, wasn't it? That um, there is no other God but him. And um, that no matter what situation, God will, will bring you out the other side. Yeah. And just finally, I'll leave you with this. In First in Peter chapter 5, verse 9, stand firm against, uh, well, in maybe 8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm and resist him. And be strong in your faith. Hallelujah. So I declare today in the name of Jesus, and we'll just pray this finally together. Father God, Father God I, declare I declare that that I, will that I will humble myself under your mighty hand, under your mighty hand and, be up by you. and be lifted up by you. I will stay alert. I will, stay alert. I, will pray. I will pray. I will be watchful. I will be watchful and I will. Uh, stand, firm I stand firm against the devil and be strong in my faith. In, my faith. In, Jesus in Jesus' name, amen.